we got a problem with too much information as it is. I don't need the thoughts of every human in the world in my brain mm. or all the information in the world. It's confusing enough. Mm. I'm already dealing with my own thoughts and my own emotions. I don't need more shit. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Adventure Fit Radio. Today, we have a show with the man, the myth, the legend, my new co-host or one of my new co-hosts, Dan Katz. So, me and Katz, sat down to have a general chit-chat. Um, we talked about uh, – we started off talking about weightlifting because that was some some common ground. Oh, weightlifting this, weightlifting that. And then we ended up talking about me uh, thinking I was dead for six hours. Uh, long story. You'll have to listen to the podcast to, to get into it. But – it was quite a good show, actually. We 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 hung up the uh, hung up the mics and we looked at each other. And we said, "Oh, that was pretty bloody interesting." So, um, hope you guys feel the same way. Um, don't forget to check out before you do our sponsors. Uh, our sponsors are True Protein. Head to trueprotein.com.au. Use the code ADVF. You'll get ten percent off their whole entire range. Yep, that's their whole entire range. Ten percent off, not five, not six, not seven, but ten percent off. They have the best range of supplements in the country. So if you're looking for protein, creatine, um, fancy cakes that you can make healthy stuff out of, um, MCT oils, fast release, slow release, proteins, carbs, whatever. Whatever you want, guys, they've got it. And we back them in. We support them. They're friends of ours. They're partners of ours. And they're, uh, they're the best supplement company in Australia. Simple as that. Also, oh, so the code is, uh, yeah, the code is ADVF at trueprotein.com.au. Also, head to www.adventurefittravel.com to check out what we've got coming up. Guys, we've got uh, loads and loads of cool stuff coming up for the next 12 months. We've got uh, Iceland. It's not long to book book your spot to Iceland with us. Then next year, we've got Mexico, uh, Everest Base Camp. I'll be leading that one. Thailand, Bali, Vietnam, and then Iceland again. And we may sneak a Morocco trip in there. I just want to add Morocco to the stable of trips at some point. Um, so stand by for that one. If you want to join us, guys, and you want to get ten percent off, then you can go to www.adventuretravel.com. Use the code radio. Cool. Here's the show. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one: no touching of the hair or face. And that's it. Welcome back to Adventure Radio. Sitting here with uh, with with the man, the myth, the uh, the 89, 89 kilograms. Did you say you were? Uh, neither at the moment. I'm in purgatory as far per- as weight divisions go, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just fat. Yeah, the fat, the fat man, Dan Cass. <laughs> the fat, deconditioned, useless weightlifter. Uh, no, yeah. it's all right. So, uh, mate, what's been going on anyway? Uh, not much, mate. Just uh, like uni. Been training, been trying to rehab my shoulder, mm-hmm. trying to get it right. So I think last time I was on the podcast, I was talking about how I injured my shoulder mm-hmm. 
in the Commonwealth Games trials, and uh, yeah, we're still there. Great place to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's one of the smaller comps. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's, it's it's the right place to. Oh, I guess you could say it's the wrong place to injure your shoulder, actually. But yeah, so it's still um it's still kind of rat shit, and I've just been doing lots of squats and yeah, right, and piss farting around with little weights, gotcha. unfortunately. But it was good. I had a, a, a national championships on uh on you know. Th- this past weekend, and so I was doing coaching instead of actual lifting, mm-hmm. which was uh, it was interesting. But uh, I definitely, I definitely missed competing. Oh, for sure! Like I haven't, I don't think I've missed a nationals in like a decade at yeah. least. That would be horrible. <laughs> it, it, it was real shit. Yeah. And the thing is, like, if I'm just in a warm up room, it doesn't, regardless of if I'm lifting or not. Like I'm lifting. Like <laughs> yeah. I've, I've just been conditioned that many times. If I'm a war, in a warm up room, my adrenaline's pumping. <laughs> yeah, I was, sniffing I was, the sniffing salts. Oh, hundred percent. I was I was coaching M in uh, the forty nine kilo division. Yeah, she came third and she had a crack at at a number one spot. But anyway, I was I was coaching it and some of Dad's lifters because the way the way that it's set up in Brizzy at Cougars is that the warm-up is kind of outside. Mm-hmm. So dad's lifters who are like these young kids were just kind of like hanging over the edge and just like looking in uh, in the warm-up room and they come up to me and they're like, dude, you look like you're about to kill someone. <laughs> like you were so pumped up yeah. right now. I'm just like, I'm competing right at the moment. Yeah. And and would go out for a big clean jerk, I would chalk my hands. <laughs> like this is, this is totally subconscious. I'm not, uh, I'm not consciously great. like, all right, you know, get yourself. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just doing it. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's just it's just so funny. Like you I, have the sniffing salts before a big coaching like spiel. Yeah, I had like, them in my pocket. Oh, right, so so what do you need to do this? Hundred percent. I have a sniff of ammonia. Like, Fuck. <laughs> Let's go lift. <laughs> oh, that's classic. I know. I I, I definitely miss like the, just the just the competing. Like, yeah. there's no. I don't know. It's like there's no better feeling for me. I mean, mm. like that the reason I train so hard all the time. Is so I can get out there and compete. Yeah, because even if, regardless of if it's a good result or a bad result, I feel like I don't know. I feel like I've gone to battle. Or yeah, hundred percent. I feel like I've done something that was really difficult, and it just put me in this heightened state. Mm-hmm. And it's just the best feeling. Mm. It's actually quite a funny sport, though. Really, weightlifting, isn't it? Particularly because, like, really, really, when you're in the warm up room and you're you're in and you're you're on for your session. You're actually competing that whole time. Like you're walking around, you're buzzed, and you're, it's all part of the game. But your actual competitive time is actually like those six seconds in total or whatever that you yeah. work. You know, you train 20 hours a week or whatever for, for those. Well, when you touch the barbell to when you let go of the barbell, you've probably got a total of like 20 seconds of touching a barbell standing on the platform for the whole day or for the whole know. You know, three-month training period or six-month training period. It's such a fascinating sport like that, I reckon. You know, people play every week in all these other sports and, you know, they aim for this, that and the other. And and I was about to say we because I started weightlifting again two days <laughs> <Yeah>. ago. <laughs> but, um, no, you're on your way back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we, uh, we you know, compete for that, those those tiny little seconds that you're actually, you know, yeah. you versus the barbell. I remember Richie Patterson once posted a thing and it was like a decade of lifting, you know, hundreds of hours of training dozens and dozens of competitions, six lifts. Yeah. You know, it was about him at the Olympics, you know. Like you you work your entire life off for six lifts. <laughs> yeah. And if you have just happen to have a bad day, I'm, you're done. Yeah. 
you get that one shot. It's a brutal, it's a and you see, so you train your entire life so that when you have that opportunity, that one time you get that opportunity, you take it. Mm. And you you have enough experience under your belt that you can actually do something about it. Mm. You know, it's like, I don't know, it's crazy. And the, and the, and the rarities, like the rare occasions when you're actually on and you have that day, it just, it makes, it makes all the shit you put up with like worth it. Yeah. All the injury, all the shit comps, all the bomb outs. Yeah. You have that one comp where you like, I feel like the most powerful man in the world <laughs> right now. Yeah. Even you're though like, there's a dude. fucking in- perfect. Yeah. That was the definition of perfect. If that wasn't perfect, I wouldn't have been able to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a fucking animal. Yeah. 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 No, I think it's, um, I think that's why I like weightlifting so much or one of the reasons why is, I, I suppose I finally started to understand European football, you know, soccer a bit better recently because I've never watched too much of it and I've never gotten into it at all, but I was in the UK for the World Cup. Yeah. And, mate, that was a sight to behold. Really? It was wild. It was like, on the game days, it was like the whole nation had turned into the Barmy Army. And so you'd, if you're in the street, if you're in Brixton, right? I was in Brixton a lot of the time, so I got buddies yeah. down there. Brixton's like... Effectively, like similar to like the Fitzroy of it's like hipster cent- central hipster, you know, London basically. Really cool spot. And on the game days, I was down in Brixton a couple of times, some beers with my mate Jimmy, and I watched the game down there, two games down there actually. And you're in the middle of Brixton High Street, and you look to your left, you'll see five or six individual groups of 10 to 15 men and women chanting soccer songs individually, yeah. like not in unison, like they've all got their own thing going on. And then you look to your right. Similar kind of setup. There's people making out in the street, girls getting their boobs signed, dudes punching <laughs> on. Like it was fucking wild. It was it was amazing. But I think I, you know, I I actually got into the soccer a little bit watching it when I was over there because I couldn't help but actually you know yeah get, you get can't into help but get into it. And, yeah, yeah. So, but I think part of the reason why soccer is so popular and what I started to understand with soccer, which is the same as weightlifting, is. Like, there's so much rides on every goal or every exactly. score opportunity. Yeah. You know, like, when you've got a sport like NBA or AFL football or whatever, where the score is, like, two points at a time and you might score 130 points. Exactly. You know, 125 to 130. It's like, you don't get that real gravitas to anything that's really going on until the last quarter. Exactly. You know? You get, you get runs and comebacks and goals in a row and stuff like that, which is sports sport, you know? Sport's good to watch. But weightlifting and then soccer made me think about, like, I was like, wow. Every time that someone had a shot at goal, it was like this could be yeah, yeah, the most hands important in your mouth. kick. Yeah, it's the exactly. most important kick in the nation's history of the, the sport. Yeah, every you know I mean? every goal seems like the most important moment <laughs> yeah. ever. Yeah. Whereas in AFL, it's just like, oh, we got a goal, a goal scored against us. That's fine. Yeah. We'll, we'll make it up in the next thirty seconds. Yeah, like, that's right. So I would. That was always my theory as to why there's like football, like soccer hooliganism. Yeah. You never get like AFL gangs. <laughs> No one gives a shit. No one's that razzed up, no. ready to burst because I don't get to go with the <laughs> I know, because you're like you're sitting there for an entire game and maybe no one will score a goal. Yeah. And everyone's just sitting there frustrated with these fucking blue balls. Yeah. Like, when is something going to happen? Yeah. And they get frustrated. Let's set the fucking chairs yeah. on fire. Start this one. <laughs> yeah. This guy's chair for the other team. Yeah. Kill him. Yeah. Nah, I love it. I actually, um, I actually, we, when, when I was in, um, the first ever football game I ever watched was in Latin America with um with Roisy. Yeah, yeah. And um and I hated European football. Never had any time for it at all. And we're in Bolivia 
and there was this um, there was this poster up in the hostel and it said um, Bolivia versus La Paz, sorry, the main capital city, mm. La Paz versus Potosi or whatever. Potosi is a small town, but it's like some other town in Bolivia. It was the main rivalry, the biggest rivalry of the year, you know, like effectively LA Lakers versus Boston Celtics of yeah. their comp, their national comp. Yeah. And everyone was talking about it in the hostel and it was just something to do really. But me and, me and Roisy, because we were so like Aussie and like against, you know, soccer, we were like, Fuck soccer. Fuck that yeah, we're not going to watch fucking soccer. And then, <laughs> anyway, so everyone's, but everyone's getting up and about because there's all these Europeans and like even like Aussie crew and people that weren't into soccer, they were keen to go. So, me, I said to Rosie, I'm like, do you reckon we go to this game or not? And he goes, nah, fuck that. I said, yeah, no, I'm with you. But I said, should we ask if there's any, they might, like, I don't even know who's playing. Like, let's, I said to one of them, I'm like, hey, what's, what's the story of this game? Like, why is it getting promoted so much? Like, why is everyone so keen? And, and they're like, oh, it's the biggest rivalry in, in the nation. I'm like, yeah, well, rivalry, rivalry. And they're like, nah, not, it's not like that. I said, oh, what's, give us an example. They're like, example? Um, Potosi came to Bolivia, uh, Potosi came to La Paz last year, lost, um, lost 1-0. Um, everyone cleared out the stadium. Potosi went back that night, burnt the stadium down. <laughs> what? <laughs> and Rosie was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> this is going to be sick. At least if, if we don't see a goal, we're going to see like riots. And, yeah, you know, exactly. Murders maybe, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so so we went and there was literally riot squad against the fence the whole time, like riot squad police. You know, the police with the big perspex. Yeah. Like, um, what would you call them? What's in like? Shields. Games? Shields, yeah, shields. Yeah, yeah, big yeah. perspex shields and fucking guns and batons all over them, helmets on. Full, 100% rights. It was like it was the SWAT team basically guarding the stadium. It's insane. Yeah, guarding it? the fence so people didn't jump over. And all around the stadium was the same deal. We went there. And this is when, this is this put me in further disrepute with soccer after this. Yeah. We went there, nil all draw, not a punch thrown. <laughs> God. In soccer. You're like, I had this built up in my head so much. I was <laughs> yeah. going to witness something yeah. great. Yeah. It's so I just went and fucking stabbed some bloke on the way home. <laughs> yeah. It was all good. Worked out right. Um, but yeah, so. But I did get into the World Cup. Yeah. I did get right into it. It's, it was a, it was a it's crazy culture. just like the uh, like the tribalism mm. and how it's embraced so much. Yeah. And how like any place that has soccer will have that kind of. Mm. And it's, it's like, it's almost encouraged. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like a. When uh, A-League started in, in Melbourne, people were like, yeah, I'll go for Melbourne victory. Fuck Melbourne heart. I'm like, yeah. are, you, are you trying to create like yeah. – like you don't really care, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you don't really hate passionate. Melbourne heart. Yeah, you can't be that passionate, mate. No, you can't I've been be. around for seven <laughs> yeah, exactly. weeks and four days. Oh, we have a rivalry going back a month. Yeah, going back since the, the early 2017. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you, you're not invested enough to give a shit, honestly. Yeah. But it's like it's like it's part of soccer. Yeah, it's, just, it's it's part of the game. I do let know? him get away with a lot more though. I went to a, um I went to an A League match with my mate Truzzy, and um this was last year, and they were letting off flares. How do they even get that shit? Yeah, in the they were letting off flares, and they weren't getting kicked out. And See, dudes, I remember one one period of uh I think someone kicked a goal, and there was was these, there was the race, the mm. race where the players come out. On one side there was like these four little kids. And on the other side, there was just like six like grown men, you know? Yeah. And I'm talking like 12-year-old kids. And their team kicked the goal and they're like, yeah, sticking the finger up. This the guys across the fence. And these guys are like, you're fucking dead, you little guy. Like giving them the slit in their throat symbols. And I'm what like, what the, the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it was That's wild. Insane. But people were letting off flares and people were like, 
I was thinking, if I'm in an AFL game and I try and let off a flare, I'm going to fucking jail. A hundred percent. There was flares going off fucking left, right and centre. And they they was check just, your bags when you go into the stadium. Well, I don't know how they do it, but that's like they... standard practice flares at a soccer game, right? Yeah, they just give them more leeway. They buy them at like, the canteen ah, part of the game. Yeah, no, they Let buy them at the canteen. each other with death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's all part of it. Yeah, little kids. <laughs> yeah. Little 12 kids. I remember my, my, uh, my dad got into a fight and my brother's when my brother used to play soccer, and they were playing like some South American team. Mm. It, was, it wasn't, it was, but like everyone on the team was South American. Right. And dad was sitting there, you know, Bentley East strikers or whatever. Yeah. And this team, and these parents were, were like chanting, kill them, yeah. kill them. And my dad just fucking lost it because he's like, oh, that's un Australian, you know. That's fucking. I know, but it's like it's a children's match. Yeah, but you know, it's encouraged at even such a young age. It's insane. Yeah, well, that's just Darrow's though as well. Oh, a hundred percent. Because I had that in local footy. Because I was as a junior. Really? Because I was this height when I was (laughs) twelve. Genuinely, (laughs) really, I might have been taller. (laughs) Um, No, genuine though. I I was that big, and due to the fact that I was that big, I was that good. That I was like league best and fairest, league leading goal kicker, captain in the league, best fighting, like all that stuff every year for like three years, four years in a row. Ruckman leading yeah, goal scorer. Yeah. First time for all the children. First, first time I played in a league. So yeah. it's like, that's like the, the first level of representative football. Yeah. I was ruck. This is the first game, first game, uh, first possession, first game in a league. I grab it out of the ruck, kick it down forward, out uh, bounces, no one touches it, it bounces. I run faster than everyone else, <laughs> grab the ball, have a shot at goal, kick a point. <laughs> Holy um, shit. In representative footy. And um, so I was huge. I was just like star of the junior scene, you know. And yeah. um, and we used to play um, down in Mornington. We used to play – Mornington's like – especially now, Mornington's sweet. Mornington's a good, good part of the world. Yeah. Like the suburb of Mornington, not the peninsula, but the suburb of Mornington. Mm. But there's this area of Mornington called Tantai. Mm-hmm. So it's like – Frankston with Pines, you know, Pines is like the Darrow end of Frankston and then like, call it fucking South Melbourne of Port Melbourne, you know. Like, yeah, no, yeah, we yeah. can't really do it up here, but but it was like, it's like the real rough side of the tracks. Yeah. Um, and so we used to play down at Tantai and I remember the, the dads of the kids, they would come up on the fence and they would tell me that I was like, I'd be playing full forward at one, at one point and I remember this one day, like very, very clearly, this dude in a trench coat, he was the dad of one of the kids and he was telling me, he's like, no, right, you're fucked after the game. If you kick this goal, you little fucking, like, like, yeah, whole game. Like, this grown man threatening to, like, you're fucked, I'm coming after you if you kick this goal. You kick that goal, my son, you're fucked, you little cunt. What <laughs> Yeah, it was wild. Fuck? It was wild. And That's I had insane. A, yeah, I used to play Hastings. I used to routinely hear, um, there's this dude, Dale used to tag me. Dale, uh, what was his name? Forget his name. He was not a bad bloke. I don't reckon he'd be doing too well these days. Okay? But, <laughs> but, <laughs> He's doing ice in a gutter yeah, somewhere. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but so Dale and his family were rough as and Dale, I used to, Dale would be playing on me and he'd be like stomping on my toe and like fucking jump and punch me. And he punched me a few times and got into scuffles with him, whatever. And his parents, I'd hear like just throughout the game, I'd hear, fucking smash him, Dale. Like just. Wow. It's a bit sad. Like some people just grow up with fucking. Darrow's for yeah. family, you know? I know. Well, like, what are you going to do? Hey, how are you going to soar, soar like an eagle when you're surrounded by turkey? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Poor, poor bugger's Fucking... born on the wrong side of the tracks. But, yeah, so, but um, back to Jesus. weightlifting. Um, back to weightlifting because I, I, we talked about this very, very briefly before the show, but I didn't ask you what I'm about to ask you now. So why is the, 
Why are the weight categories all changed? <sighs> because the Olympics have uh, basically they want like for this Olympics they want parity with the genders. Right. So there's the way that used to be is it used to be hard to find 110 kilo girls. Yeah, well, the, well, they give they give weightlifting 15 medals. Oh, you mean the same gold medals, weight essentially? Categories. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So they they gave weightlifting as a total 15 medals, and so there were eight male divisions mm-hmm. and seven female right. divisions. And instead of giving weightlifting an, an extra medal, they've said you got to take one away. You got to get rid of a division. Hmm. So what the IWF, in their infinite wisdom, decided to do was to have like. Basically, two separate weight divisions. So, like, for the Olympics, there are seven male and seven female divisions. Mm -hmm. And then for world championships and every other competition, there's 10 and 10. Really? Yeah. So, there's different divisions for the Olympics and just for everyday competitions. That's a horrible Which is retarded because no one wants to be in a division that's not in the Olympics. Regardless of if they're going to be in the Olympics or not, it's like... I know. In your mind, it's something that you're always going to aspire towards. Yeah. So, the way it works now... You train years in one... You don't train to switch categories every six months. No. Or every two years or whatever. And and there's there's nothing written down how, like, if you're training as an 89, what you're going to do. Like, do you go up to the 96? Do you go down to 81? So, in the Olympics, it's only 81 and 96? No. So... Yeah, yeah. It's a massive jump. jump. It, It goes... It jumps from 81 to 96. There's a 15 kilo, and they've gotten rid of the most popular division, which was the 85s. We've just basically gotten rid of it completely. And so, what you had on the weekend with the nationals is you had, like, because I used to lift as an 85, all the 85s I lifted with last year have even either gotten up, gone up to the 89s, or gone down to the 81s. So it's kind of been split up. Yeah. Um, like some people are really enjoying it. Some people are just looking like fat 85s, but. <laughs> It's uh, uh yeah no it, it's it's present coming it, included yeah <laughs> <laughs> mate I'm not even lifting so <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah, yeah but um no it's a it's a weird setup that they've done and I don't really know why they've done it but uh and they and they introduced some weird categories like there's a 45 kilo women's division yeah and it's like girls aren't that small nah like maybe children yeah that's unhealthy yeah that's there's like, no one that's 45 you're be kilos. recruiting down at the local anorexia clinic 100 percent yeah it was just like uh. Dwarf division. <laughs> it, like I, I always thought, just if you if, what weightlifting should have done is just get rid of the fifty-six division because mm. there you don't. Re- there's not really people that are that small aside from in the Asian countries. Yeah, who dominate the div- the division, but mm. didn't really make sense to me. Mm. I don't think that sounds very good and bode, bodes very well for the Olympics. Like I feel like the Olympics is losing its luster. It is. You know they, what I mean? They, they keep trying to make it more relevant, like in adding like different sports mm. and getting rid of the traditional ones. Yeah. You know, it's just like the, what the Olympics used to be is what I think it should stay. It's like who can, who's the best at fighting? Who's mm. the best at lifting the most? Yeah, swimming, Who's running, the best at jumping. running and swimming yeah. and sprinting? And yeah. it's, it's about, I don't know, exhibiting the best of athleticism. Yeah, in my I opinion. agree. Yeah, well, that doesn't really bode really well, though. I think, like, fuck, if you want to have the Olympics is, like, if you think of, like, the Olympics is the pinnacle, right? The World yeah. Championships would be second, and then, like, whatever, whatever, national championships after that, or European championships, or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it, Commonwealth Games for us. But that really makes it quite difficult for people to be, it makes it nearly worse, because instead of having more people spread across more categories and have it nice and even, 
you're going to have a shitload of people trying to make one of the Olympic categories. Yeah. Is that exactly. right? Is that what's probably going to happen? Well, well, the other thing is that they've also, like, they, they're trying to decrease the amount of people that can go to the Olympics. So yeah. there's there's no B divisions anymore. Yeah? No, it's just A divisions because they're trying to save money. Far out. You know, so... So basically, they're going to make it even more elite than it ever has been, and more inaccessible for normal people instead of drugged up freaks, which is basically all it's going to be. Fucking I mean, that's sucks. what that's what the Olympics is. It's a freak show of drugged up athletes, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know. It's just I, I think the whole drugs in sport. I think people are much more aware of it now as well. Mm. And I don't know. It, 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 the the event loses its appeal. If it's if it's not like an ideal to strive towards, yeah. if you know what I mean. Like yeah. I was talking to someone and they were, they were talking about how with the CrossFit Games, for instance, they, you should just say, "Oh, let people take drugs." Yeah. And I was saying, "No, you can't do that because the, kids. the the whole the whole uh, like appeal of the CrossFit Games is that Joe Schmo training in a CrossFit gym is aspiring towards getting towards the games, mm. and he thinks that." the athletes there are clean and they've done it through hard work. If yeah. you if you all of a sudden say, nah, they're just drugged up and that's the difference really, like you you, you lose that sort of uh, ideal to strive towards. Mm. Like, Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really tough. I think the biggest thing with that that I've always thought is just young kids. Mm. You can't you can't have the heroes that you aspire to be. Well I suppose if drugs if drugs become legal then you're not cheating if all drugs become legal and the testing gets thrown out the window then you're not technically cheating but it's not but, you anymore it, it's not it's not about how hard you work yeah you know i mean it, it doesn't foster like a growth mindset well i suppose that i didn't i didn't get this and that's because i didn't work hard enough or i didn't do this enough if all of a sudden it becomes some sort of external force that determines whether you succeed or not it's not about that anymore. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, the world's fucked. It's not me. Yeah. It's everyone else, you know? Yeah, well, I suppose it's never going to be clean, that's for sure. And I've always had a real issue with, like, I just feel like kids are the biggest thing. Like, you can't have role models that aren't clean. You can't have role models that – you can't have – Usain Bolt, I read a really interesting article a couple of years ago after Usain – a few years ago now, after Usain Bolt won his last run of gold medals. Mm. And the article was called – um, say it ain't so, Usain. And it was a hypothetical article about how fucked the sport of sprinting is and how many people have been busted. And Usain Bolt's like this golden child. Everyone below him that's set the world records have all been busted along the journey. Like Asafa Powell, uh, Ben Johnson. Like, yeah, there's yeah. not many that were the fastest person in the world that didn't actually get busted. And the article was all about Usain Bolt. Please... You know, say that so you're not a drug cheat, and they, never, they don't want him to be another Lance Armstrong. Yeah, because it'll it would actually Usain Bolt getting popped would actually just devalue the whole sport. It'd be like, well, fuck this. What's the fucking point? Like, and that's so. And I feel like if that was the case, like all that, like that would kill the sport of sprinting, and especially like young kids. Like, who do they have in that athletic field then to look up to? Nobody. You know, nobody no. that's not a proven cheat. You know, but at the same time, it hasn't killed cycling. There's still pe- plenty of people doing cycling. The sport True. is still doing great, and yeah. and they know that most of the top guys aren't uh, aren't clean. Yeah, but I, I think it's just, just it, the it, there's 20, other 20, things. 20, there's other things about the sport that are good. You know, like yeah. the sort of camaraderie. You know, sort of 
driving, you know, riding t- together as a group and being outside and sort of uh, shared misery, I suppose. Yeah, yeah well, I feel like I feel like you pick and choose with your sports, though. Like, if someone, for example, like it's quite weird because if someone, for example, like maybe LeBron James got busted, right? Yeah. Biggest, biggest, you know, sporting star in the world. If LeBron got busted, that'd be the biggest controversy of all time. Like he'd be fully tarnished forever and a day with his legacy. But then you got like John Jones, who's been busted on a number of times for cocaine, performance enhancing, run yeah. over an old lady when he's cooked off his head, and he's <laughs> like more popular than ever. <laughs> Is he? Yeah, he's a he's a full. So when he comes back, he got busted, and he was like a medium sized pay per view star. Like he yeah, was pretty yeah. popular, and then when he got busted. He became the heel. He came, became like the bad boy. He had a bit of storyline to him. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And then Daniel Cormier was his biggest rival, and he's the perfect like, he's the perfect A plus student. You know, like good company boy. man, good yeah, boy. Yeah. yeah. And then it became this epic rivalry between those two. But the more that John Jones fucks up, the more people will get around him, and the more popular he becomes. And he'll go back. Like people still talk about John Jones as the greatest ever. John yeah. Jones is like, oh yeah, he'll be back and he'll fight Dan Cormier and this, that, and the other. But it's fighting, so it's kind of like different. People yeah, assume because that- there's there's other qualities aside from pure athleticism. There's like mm. creativity and uh, fighting ability. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just like everything that humans do. We just pick and choose, you know. Oh, we pick and choose there, what we want to be. There's nothing rational about it necessarily. Yeah. It's like yeah. it doesn't need to be a logical reason why. Mm. It's I don't know. It it, it kind of goes to show that like. Just publicity is publicity. Like, yeah. Whether it's good or bad, yeah. it doesn't matter. Because I think most people don't believe what they read anyway. Mm. So just kind of like people are going to have their, their own opinion regardless of what the news things say. So there's going to be people who say, nah, he, he's all right. He, he tested positive, but it was something that he drank or something uh, something that was tainted in his system. No one believes what they read anymore. Mm. I don't reckon. No, uh, it, it's it's interesting because something I keep thinking about is I don't know why this got put into my head, but I just keep thinking that in the next fifty years, people are just going to be genetically modified anyway, and they won't. And Do you mean you're talking about sport? No, I just mean in general. Yeah, no, not sport specific, but I reckon it's going to be like close to Gattaca. Yeah, it will be. Hundred percent. I think it's going to be so much like that, and uh, I think that will be the death of sport. Yeah, I agree. So, because so when do you categorize? Because we're so, we're we're all imperfect. Yeah, that we 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 kind of we're trying to establish a hierarchy. But once once it's evened out, and you can determine, you can customize your, kid your kids and yeah. say, "Hey, he's going to have this intelligence. Yeah. He's going to have this kind of muscle fiber." All this shit's going to go out of the window. Well, what about when? Did you watch the Elon Musk podcast with um with Rogan yet? I started listening to a little bit of it, but it was, it was just a bit too jolted for me. Like, oh. he's, he's not he's not a good talker it was at brutal. all. It was actually <laughs> it's fucking really brutal. difficult to listen <laughs> yeah. to. Yeah, I, I actually didn't like it at all. I'm the biggest Elon Musk fan on the fucking planet. And I think Rogan dropped the ball. He didn't ask about SpaceX once. I was like, Joe, just ask him if he's going to be fucking the king of Mars, mate. That's all we want to <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> That's all we want to know. I don't um, know. I, I, think, I, I think Joe was just trying to find some sort of rapport and common ground with him, you know, yeah. like to get him to talk about things. I definitely think he could have, I think you posted about 
you know, Elon Musk said, you don't want to be in my brain a yeah. few times and Joe really should have prodded that. Yeah, 100%. But I, th- I think there were, there were other times where, like, Joe was asking him a question and he was just, like, not answering it. Yeah. You know, like, he, he, was like saw, he was asking him about, you know, how do you get permission to bore under LA? Who do you go to ask for that? And he was like, he told this, like, long-winded story about his friend, to started digging a pit. <laughs> yeah. and, I was, and I was like, yeah, but that's not what Joe... Answer the question. And he was just like... Yeah. He's just like, we just, we just dig a pit. So we, so we, we just dug just, a pit. So we just dug a pit and then I, 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 I dug like, a pit. It's like, bro, you're trying to fucking make a new form of transport from like city to city across the nation. Like, and you're, Surely you're, you had to ask someone for... We just for dug a, a pit. We just dug a pit. And uh, <laughs> it's like, maybe he doesn't know or maybe it's uh, he's being purposely, uh, I don't know... Maybe he's withholding. He's withholding Maybe. information, so Maybe. he's sort of evading the question, yeah, you know, potentially. But but when he was talking about the um, the neural net stuff, when we have computer chips, do you get up to that part? No. So neural net is this thing that he invested in, and it's basically augmented intelligence. You know, they say artificial intelligence is like obviously machine learning. Mm-hmm. Augmented intelligence is putting the machines inside of our heads. You know, yeah. So we're the machines, and 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 it's our intelligence that they're augmenting to be superhuman intelligence. Yeah. Like. Elon said that in in a few months' time they're going to have a huge announcement to do with that. Like, and his huge announcements are like they're fucking. They're not like, oh yeah, we we just got you know fifty million dollars worth of funding. They're like, we just created a fu- we just created a Terminator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we just created a Terminator. It's not, it's, it's not like it's not like an Apple announcement. Like, yeah. our new phones yeah. don't have yeah. a, an an aux cable. Yeah, that's right. No one gives we a don't shit. have a we don't have a home button. It's like nah, it's not what's happening with Elon. Um, they're sending fucking. The Terminator to Mars or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. um so so that's pretty exciting. But he was talking about the way that he was talking about it is obviously that, you know, we're gonna have it's not gonna be that expensive or that crazy for us to impl- imprint this implant this tiny little chip into our heads and be able to use the power of every human mind on the planet. The internet, right? Like at the drop of a hat in our brains. So imagine how smart imagine when half the world is has augmented intelligence how the world is going to behave. It's going to be fucking crazy. But it, the way that he was alluding to it, it seemed to me like it was like 20 to 50 years away yeah. or not even. So I, when I, that's the case, like I, I, everything goes out the window. I don't understand why that's a good idea. Yeah. I don't want to have a machine in my brain. I don't yeah. even like having a fucking phone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, like, like – uh, we got a problem with too much information as it is. I don't need mm. the thoughts of every human in the world in my brain mm. or all the information in the world. It's confusing enough. Mm. I'm already dealing with my own thoughts and my own emotions. I don't need more shit. Yeah. You know? I thought I went crazy the other day when I um, took some mushrooms and, uh, <laughs> and I actually, actually, I took, um, I took, so with, the reason I'm telling stories, I thought I went crazy, and I thought I had, I thought I'd, I was trying to figure out the meaning of life, and I thought that I had every single person that had ever thought, what is the meaning of life, and they pondered, you know, why, why everything exists. I thought that that was, I had it all in my head at the one time. Like I had, you know how, you know how if you got like lots on your mind. Say you got, say you clear headed, you got like you know one or two things going through your mind. Air yeah, cool, no worries. Yeah. And like you're a bit stressed, you might have like ten or twenty things. You just you're a bit you know all over the place. Yeah, and people yeah. with like real anxiety, they're probably like overthinking everything. They got a hundred things going on in their mind at all times. I felt like I had ten zillion things running through my mind, and it was like physically painful. 
Really? It was actually quite fucked. Um, so I don't want that. I definitely don't want to be in that position again. But um, wow. Yeah. So did you did you feel connected with everyone else who ever thought that that same thought? And did you feel like you were having them all simultaneously or yeah. something? I felt like you felt connected to everyone else who'd been thinking the same. I thought felt the that stress of every single person that had ever had that thought. It was wild. Really, it was wild. Yeah, I had um, it was when I was up in Cairns. I had because I'd been playing around with mushrooms, and then there's this what they call a hero's dose of mushrooms, which is five grams, which is like top level. So like, that's a lot. Yeah, it's like you're in another place in time. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you know, it's it's really, really top level. And there's an LSD, they have a, a hero dose as well. It's like a fabled dose of, you know, 300 micrograms or 400 micrograms or whatever. I don't know because I've never used LSD. And I had, um, had went up to Cairns and I was staying with this family, a young couple actually with a dog. And uh, they were really cool. I got on them really well. And they went out for the week. They were away for the week. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. And I had all these mushrooms that I bought and I drove up there with them. And, um, I was like, okay, cool. I'm gonna have a hero's dose because I had I'd been building up and playing around with it, and, and obviously I'm like I'm doing it to explore, you know, what's going on in yeah. my consciousness, but also because of all the epic studies, you know, for yeah, exactly, really good, really good uh, benefits from, and I know a lot of the science now, a lot, a lot more of the science, or, or yeah. So, so anyway, I'm like, okay, cool. I have five grams, so I had them. I was about five in the afternoon, and that was no worries. I was. Kind of feeling pretty good. I was kicking around on the couch with my dog and with Ziggy and this other dog that was over there. And yeah. Kind of felt like I melted away. They talk about this a bit, like melted away and couldn't really feel myself. I could just feel you my felt thoughts. Dissociated. Yeah. Dissociated. Yeah. I was just like, I just kind of, my body had melted away. I had my thoughts and I, I actually could not really move very much. Like yeah. I was pretty comatose. I was just like really struggling like, to get around. It's, it's a shit feeling, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was fucked. And then. So, but I had my phone. I was taking notes of like things I was thinking. And I was just like laying there with Ziggy, and then, and then, what happened next was, I believe I've done some dumb stuff in my time, like some seriously dumb stuff, and I reckon this may take the cake <laughs> <laughs> of all the things that I've done. And um, so, like when you're taking mushrooms, you should really normally have a spotter. Yeah, you should have you someone know? with you to yeah. look after you. Yeah, yeah. which I've never done. I've, yeah. never, I've never had a spotter, which I've never really had a bad experience and, and whatever. And, and this wasn't particularly a bad experience. It was just a wild experience. But anyway, so it was fucked. So I was like, okay, cool. I had three and a half grams left in the, well, for starters, I thought I had five grams, but I had five and a half because they were 0.55 grams rather than 0.5, these yeah. caps. So I actually, yeah. so yeah, so I actually had more than I thought, but I thought I had three and a half grams less or more than that in the um, in the fridge and I was thinking to myself, when am I going to have – I've had five five grams of mushrooms at this point. I'm not thinking super clearly, but I'm also like, I've got three and a half grams left. I'm feeling pretty good. When am I going to have three and a half grams? Three and a half grams of some pussies. Oh, no. So, so I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go – Just have I'm, all of them. Yeah, I'm going to have the rest. So I walk out there. Oh, man, I can't believe I did it. Anyway, so – I have these other three and a half grams. Like I said, it was actually 0.55 of it was in this capsule rather than 0.5. So yeah. t- truth be told, I had nine and a half grams nearly, pretty much in the end. Holy shit. And then, so it's a lot. So it's, it's really a is lot. a lot. Way yeah. too much. And then anyway, so the next six hours. So firstly, I was like, yep, cool. And then everything started. I wasn't like, because I was like just 
really peaceful, really disassociative, really like comatose. And then it just became like woof, everything hit, hit me you. at once. And visuals were all over the place. The whole world was shaking really. It was quite like, whoa, this is hard to fucking hang on to. Like yeah, reality. overwhelming. Yeah, it was yeah. quite overwhelming. So I went to lay down in my bed and just chill out for a sec. I went into the bedroom and I laid down and all I could think about was this lie that I told my mum because I told my mum this like white lie about something. I can't even really remember what it was, but she'd like questioned me on it and I'd kind of like extended the white lie and kept it going like earlier that day, something like that. But I, I felt bad about it in the day. You know, I felt yeah. quite quite upset about like having to keep this, this little white lie going with my mum. Can't remember what it was. And then I laid down and uh, for the next like hour, I was screaming in agony, in like mental agony. Were you physically screaming? Yeah, screaming. I was on the bed. I couldn't control it. I was on the bed writhing around like for for about fucking an hour. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was hectic. And then I reckon I passed out after that for a little bit. Like it was just too much for me. Yeah, yeah. And then I woke up and this is when it got interesting. So – um, it was probably one of the most interesting nights of my life. So, so the next the next stage of this this experience was, I woke up, I was laying on my bed, and I looked down. I'm like, oh, what's going on? I looked down, I see my tattoo. I'm like, oh, yeah, tattoo. Look at Ziggy. Look at the aircon. Look at the door. I get up, walk out the door into the kitchen, turn around in the kitchen, see the dog, walk back into my room, sit down again, and then like, okay, cool. And then I look down, I see my tattoo. I look at Ziggy. Look at the aircon. I look at the door, I jump up and walk out the door, see the dog, come back in, sit down, look at my tattoo. So I got like trapped in what I in thought was- In a loop? Yeah, yeah. Oh my I God, thought, Groundhog Day. Yeah, Groundhog Day. I was like, I thought, oh no, I'm, I'm fucking stuck. I'm stuck in fucking Groundhog Day. <laughs> like I genuinely, but it's funny what the mind does because I, I literally, I reckon I spent an hour doing that. An hour. An hour. And I couldn't for the life of me, I could not break stride like same amount of steps every time I paced out into the lounge room. Um, looked down at my tattoo. Ziggy didn't move. If Ziggy had just moved, it would have been sweet. He was just sitting there like, probably freaking out. He's like, what the <laughs> yeah, fuck is he doing? He's been screaming on the bed. It's fair to say he would have been definitely freaking out. <laughs> yeah. The poor little bugger. And um, so I got trapped in this fucking Groundhog Day, which was horrible, but you know, whatever. Then the next stage was... I thought I'd gone crazy. Yeah. I was like, right, which was a horrible thing to think. Yeah. Uh, I was like, right, I broke through the Groundhog Day thing. Like, I've just stepped off my line. I'm like, oh, I'm free. Yeah. I'm back. And then, so so then I was like, I thought I'd gone crazy because it started with what I was talking about before, like, just trying to figure out the meaning of life. Yeah. And if you had seen me walking around the house, like, it was lucky that when I was screaming, no one came over or just lucky that no one saw me doing what I was doing because I would have been thrown in a mental asylum lickety split, mate. Really? Split. Oh, well, yeah, for sure. I was walking around the house. I was walking around the house like this, like going like, <laughs> oh, no, like a fucking crazed scientist, like grabbing <gasps> oh, my head like, oh, trying to, because I had a hundred million thoughts going through my head and at one point, and it was all about the meaning of life and I was talking to myself, I'm like, what yeah. is it all about? What is it? I kept saying, what is it all about? And then I sat down and that's when for about 10 minutes, I was like holding my head and like shaking. I was like, I was like, I was just getting thrown around. And that's when I felt like I'd, 
I was living every single person's existence that's ever like pondered the meaning of life. Yeah. I was fucking hectic. And then when I kind of somehow like freed my mind from that a little bit, I, I still couldn't like really grasp what was going on. I was so fucked. I, I, I was like, oh, I've gone crazy. I've gone crazy, which was a really bad feeling to have. I, I, f- I felt like I'd, I felt like I'd, felt like I may have pushed myself too far with the stress of adventure fit. Mm. Felt like, felt like I'd actually, because people that happens to people, you know, people end up in psychiatric wards and lose yeah. their mind. And at that point in time, I was sure because I was so stressed at that time with a bunch of stuff that was going on with adventure fit. I was like, oh fuck, I've pushed myself too far. Yeah, I've, lost, I've actually lost my mind. So you, you you didn't think, hey, I've taken too many mushrooms. You thought I've pushed myself too hard with the business. Yeah, yeah, and I I couldn't figure out whether mushrooms was a story that I was telling myself mm. that I and I'd taken some other drug, and then what actually that led to, which was was the most experience, the most interesting part of the whole experience, was when I lost my mind. I couldn't figure out. I'm like, have I lost my mind or have I died? Have I killed myself? And and I've never been suicidal, never had a suicidal thought, never could never imagine that. I've been in some dark places, but I just don't. I'm just not one of those people that their mind yeah. would ever go to that place, I don't feel like. Because yeah. um, I've had a lot of mates lately that have been in really bad spots and talking about stuff like that, which is fucking horrible. But so what I'd, I was trying to figure out what had gone on. And then for some reason, I was like, I made up this narrative in my head that – I'd taken the mushrooms, which were supposed to be these like happy pills that'll fix everything and you'll feel really great and you'll have a cool experience and you'll see all these wonderful things, whatever. But that was just, I'd convince myself, I'm like, oh, that's what's happened. I've actually told myself that story, but I actually just took some, some suicide pill, you know? I thought I'd, wow, I thought I'd kill shit. myself. Yeah, I thought I'd kill myself. And um, so... For the next six hours, I thought I was dead. And you thought you were like that kid that you thought you were Bruce Willis in the Sixth Sense. What, what is that? <laughs> I don't remember it. Oh, you don't remember the Sixth nah. Sense? Oh, it, it's like a, there's a there's that kid who can talk to dead people. Yeah. And Bruce Willis is trying to help him. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, came out twenty years ago. <laughs> uh, Bruce Willis real think thinks that he's helping this kid and that he's like working for some uh, uh, agency or something like that. He, Bruce Willis f- figures out that he's actually dead, right. and that he's he can actually help this kid. And kid's the only person that can uh, that can see him, and that's why he's being ignored by his wife and all that right. sort of stuff. Didn't realize he was dead. Anyway, well, that's what I felt like a little bit. Yeah, I felt like I was like fuck, I've died, and you're a ghost, and and I, I felt like I was in. Like the the place between when you actually die and when you actually pass into the afterlife. Purgatory. Like, can't sort more, of more like more like the period of time. More like a grace period. Yeah. More like a nice grace period where you have time to reflect on your life because that's what I was doing. Yeah. I thought I'd died, so I did watch my life flash. For I spent the next six hours remembering my life, like looking back on it, looking back wow. on all these things. And I thought that this was the actual thing that they talk about is like, this is when you're looking back on your life, your life flashes before your eyes. And I thought I was really tired and I knew that I had to sleep at some point, but I felt like, these are all these crazy stories that I just made up on the spot with my mind trying to figure out what yeah, was going on. Yeah. 
trying to make sense of the yeah, experience. Trying to figure out what, what, what was happening. And I'd figured out in my head, I was like, right, I'm in this no man's land in between life and death. And this is the grace period. And when I actually close my eyes, when I, when I go to sleep now, that will be the end and it'll just be darkness. Because I'm not, I'm not religious. You know, I don't think there's much, really anything in the afterlife. Yep. I'm happy to be proven wrong. At that point in time, I believe that maybe that wasn't the case and maybe, maybe this was. Yeah, so, so for the next six hours, fuck, it was, it was wild. You are going through your life. Yeah, I was blowing my eyes out, thinking about my mum and my dad, like my brother, all my friends. Like, it was, it was a fucking crazy experience because at one point, I do know one thing, I do know one thing, I can definitely be proud of what I've been able to achieve and what I've tried to achieve and what I've done in this life because I sat there at one point and I walked out to the backyard and I stood there, perfect night, stars were out, and I stood there. This is going to sound funny. I was talking to myself the whole time. Yeah. No one else to talk to. I don't know. I was talking to myself. I stood there. I looked up at the stars and I said, well, that's fucking it, eh? That's it. And I stood there and I smiled. And I said to myself again, I said, well, I gave that a crack. I genuinely thought that. So that was cool to know, you know. That was cool to know that deep down when I truly at that period in time believe that I am dead and there's no more life to be lived, I was really, 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 really sad, really sad. But I was also I was also like proud and kind of content, a number of emotions really. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was... It was, it was a strange, strange experience. One thing that I kept, one thing that I kept, one thing that I kept saying and looking up the stars and thinking about was I had this thing in my head that which is what is love. Like I kept thinking like what is love? Like, fuck, what is love? Because I was the biggest question that I had in my whole entire out of all everything that I was thinking when I thought I was dead. The biggest question that I had is what is love? Which is um like. You didn't know what the feeling felt like? I was I couldn't figure out whether, you know, I've had probably three or four instances where I feel like I was probably in love, you know? Mm. But I never had the love of like, you know, thinking that you're going to spend the rest of your life with someone, you know, love of like starting a family. And maybe, you know, maybe I wasn't in love. Maybe I was just like super into these girls. And it was just this question that I wouldn't, I couldn't evade. Like it was just... It was right there the whole time. Like it was just, it was the biggest thing that made me have a heavy heart. You yeah, know? I had like a you real, felt like you hadn't experienced. Yeah, it. I feel like, I feel like there's much more in that realm that I, I, I haven't experienced. You know, and that, and that was quite sad to me. I was like, fuck. You know, I guess I'll never know what that, what the truest, you know, like really deep, passionate love for someone or something or whatever. Mm. I was like, I know for a fact that if I don't die uh, of a mushroom overdose in fucking cans, <laughs> in, in the next time I got the cans, um, that uh, I would back myself in that I'll, I'll probably at some point in my life love someone harder than I've ever loved anyone before. Yeah. You know, I plan to have kids and a family and this and that. You know, so I 
I felt like when I thought that it was all over, I felt like that was the one thing that it was more important than the many of life to me. Like I was like, yeah, yeah I guess we never find the many of life. I guess we, because yeah. when I went through that thought period, thought pattern of everyone's everyone's questions of what what is it all about? What is the many of life? Why are we here? I just, you know, I came to a piece of like, I guess well, we don't fucking know. And I'm dead. I'm in the afterlife. There's something going on here and I don't, I'm not getting told what's, you know, I guess it's just one of those never-ending unsolved mysteries. But I was like, yeah, cool. I'm happy with that. I wasn't happy with the love thing. I was like, fuck, I really want to yeah, know. So, so it gave you like, if I did die, this is what my regret would be. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. You had like a death, like a deathbed moment. 100%. I genuinely, I genuinely swear to you, I thought I was dead for six hours. That's insane. Yeah. What a profound experience, eh? It was. It actually was, you know, like all these mushroom experiences I've had. Yeah. Nothing, you know, people like, oh, what was the, you know, what was, what came at, at the end of it, you know, what was the overall overarching, and I'm like, fucking, a lot of the time, nothing. Yeah. You know, I didn't have a, a profound experience. I had some hallucinations. I really loved music. You know, I was really in love with the nature that I was around, you know. And some stuff. I've had some stuff come up that I've taken a bit away from. Yeah. But nothing that's like, nothing that's like this. Mm. Like that was whole, like I, I got to assess my life. And yeah, it was, actually, it was actually quite funny as well though because I had... I had this feeling when I died. I felt really, really somber and really like heavy-hearted, and I kept thinking about my mum and my brother. Because I couldn't figure out, and my friends, but my mum and my brother mainly, because I f- couldn't figure out whether I couldn't figure out why I was dead. So I knew that technically you're not supposed to be able to overdose from magic mushrooms. Yeah, and I was, I was thinking. Oh, there's always got to be a first, doesn't there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just my luck and beat me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, um, so I wasn't sure like, how I'd how I'd gotten to be, being dead, but I was like, you know, I was sad that I was, and I, and I was like, fuck if I if I actually killed myself somehow or whatever. Like, I hope my family don't think that I took my own life. Or I was really sad. But one of the funny feelings feelings that was going on was I actually have never and I don't think will ever have I don't think I will ever again feel as at peace as I did when I was dead really yeah you felt at peace I thought you felt sad and I did I did feel all that but I also felt the biggest sense of relief and peace that I've ever felt once you say but was there a moment where you kind of let go like, like, were you resisting it to a certain point and then, then you kind of let go and then you were at peace? Yeah, a little bit probably. Yeah. I, I kind of like, when I went and looked out at the stars, I had a few moments like that where I was like, fuck, that's, that's it. That's all there is for me, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I was really sad, really disappointed. I was really felt like there was lots of unanswered questions. I was super... I felt bad. I felt upset with myself because of my family. And I'm talking like I spent an hour or two of this six-hour period like bawling my eyes out. Yeah. You know, fucking thinking about things. And But the, the peace thing, I actually felt, I was like, I was so relieved. I was like, well, you know what? I fucking gave it a crack. 
And what I mean by relief is I didn't have to worry about Adventure Fit succeeding. Mm. I didn't have to worry about me being cool. I didn't have to worry about me trying to find the fucking girl in my dreams. I didn't have to worry about my credit card debt. All I had was the ability to look back on the life that I'd lived and appreciate it, you know? Yeah. And when everything else has gone away and you have no stresses, I was like, well, there's no point me stressing about being dead. Yeah. There's nothing. That's it. You know, the door's closed. Be happy with what you've got and what you've done, you know? Yeah. And, and the experiences that you had. So that was a wild, wild feeling and thought in itself, you know? It actually totally made me reevaluate my whole life. To be perfectly honest, this whole experience might have been the most important experience maybe I've nearly ever had. Yeah. I might look back on it in five, ten years' time and say that because it was only a few months ago now. But like the way that I run my life with AdventureVit and trying to make it work, like I realized then and there that that's not important to me, you know. It's not that important to me. Yeah. Like my best mate of four years old, since four years old, has been suicidal, tried to kill himself a few months ago. He's been suicidal, so I've spent like, and all the boys have, like I've spent probably four of the last five or six weekends with him and, and like trying to catch up and whatever, you know, trying to help him through it. And we re- I reckon we have. I reckon we've got him through the, the toughest part. But like I lost a little bit of motivation to really just go ham on adventure at the moment because that experience and like my best mate being suicidal and, you know, it just made me think like... What's it all for? Yeah. In a good way though. Yeah. In a good way. What What's it all for as in like... Why, why, because I hate the fact of how much we work in this society. I think it's a fucking load of shit. I think yeah. we're so smart. We're so smart, but why do we have this system where we work 36 hours? A, no one in fucking corporate anything works 36 hours a week. They work 50 or 60. Yeah, you know? I know. It's fucking it's, crazy. It's, it's crazy. Try being an entrepreneur. Try and get, a, try and get something, like, try, and, try and live your passion. It, it, it's wild. So, yeah. So it just put everything into perspective as, as in like, you know, I want to continue to make adventure succeed. I want it to be a really positive impact on people. I want this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, I can't anymore let it dictate my life and let it get in the way of my friends and family and my what what I like to do. My life, you know. Yeah, hundred percent, man. You got to you got to enjoy moment to moment, or at least have things that during the day that you're looking forward to. Mm. Or- it, it is insane how much people work. I mean, I, I can't. My my uh, sister-in-law just started work again as a lawyer. She works at a minimum. You have to be there from nine till six. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. I can't imagine doing that. I mean, I'm still at uni. I've I've, I've never had to experience this, any sort of corporate job, but I can't mm. imagine ever letting it happen. Mm. I mean, I feel like that's a good thing about me is that I've sort of, if I don't like my life or if I don't like what I'm doing, I just won't do it. Yeah. Like I've done, I've done courses before that I just, I didn't enjoy doing or I've been in jobs before that I didn't like mm-hmm. and I've just said, oh, I can't, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And I've just stopped doing it. And I know, I, I guess I'm spoiled and lucky in the fact that I have the ability to do that. You yeah. know, like I have a safety net, you know, and, and it's much harder for someone like you, for instance, you you're, you got a business and it's like it feels like you're you're climbing without a net. Mm. 
you know, and you sort of, and a lot of people are like that. Mm. It's just like if I stop going forward, if I tell people that I need help, if I, I don't know, if I stop, if I stop this this train or I stop being in this path, if everything's just going to collapse. Mm. And it's, it's crazy how many people are uh, just suicidal these days. Mm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's depressing. In the, in the, um, you read Lost Connections? We need to wrap this up probably in a yeah, couple. Yeah, no but, um, you like read Lost Connections? No. By Johan Ari? Like, when we started to record, I was like, I want to tell Katzi if he hasn't, or, or if you have read it, we want to discuss Lost yeah. Connections, but it's too deep of a, deep of a conversation. It's, it's one of the most important books I think written in this day and age. Like, What's it about? It's about the mental health epidemic, basically. And yeah. how it all revolves around lost connections. Connections with friends, connections with nature, connections with meaningful work, connections with a, a, a meaningful future and a secure future. And that's the point that I'm talking about. The reason I raised it is because the meaningful future part, like part of the, a huge part, all the studies show that a huge part of the reason why people are so upset and so depressed and so whatever at the moment is because they feel like they have no control. They have no control. They have a shitty fucking job that they have to work 60 hours a week to live in their shitty apartment in the middle of the city to, to support their lifestyle or they're an entrepreneur and they've put all their eggs in this basket. They're working 80 hours a week and they're not making any fucking money. They have no security of their future, you know? Yeah. And that's a terrible, terrible, de- like debilitating feeling to have. All these yeah. studies have shown. Um, and the funny thing is, so all this talk of artificial intelligence and whatever that we talked about the other day and... So I'm a really big proponent of universal basic income and they talked about it in um, Lost Connections because um, they actually trialed universal basic income in those, very, in, that, in those very words. They called it universal basic income in the 90s yeah. in um, a small town in Canada. The Canadian government said, right, we're going to run this trial. We're going to pay you guys the equivalent of like 1,200 USD or whatever per month and we, all you have to do is take part in our surveys and our and our polls and our discuss with our psychologists and with our team or whatever and everyone's like of course you'd be like yeah yeah, sign me up. Fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um so they did it and like the mental health problems in the side of the community dropped by like 300 percent and went away in 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 their entirety nearly like after a certain amount of time because people had security of their future I know that if I get fired, I'm not going to be on the street. My fucking kids aren't going to go hungry. Yeah. They had time to say, no, I'm not going to work fucking 50 hours this week. I'm going to go 30 hours a week and I'm still going to go do my fucking piano class on a Thursday and on a Wednesday and Thursday like I do. Because I said I'm going to do it. Like you don't have to put up with shit and you have time for your passions. And the main thing is people spend more time with their family. Like yeah. when people don't have to work 50, 60 hours, what do they do with their time? They spend it with their fucking with their loved ones. friends and family. Yeah. And yeah. Hundred percent. I mean, yeah. if I go hang out with some mates, I feel so invigorated. Mm. And because you, you, we're we're pack animals. Yeah. We need that. We need that tribe. We need that community. Mm. If you're sitting by yourself in a in a cubicle all day, doing totally meaningless work mm. that won't matter in another day, and it's just, oh god, it's just, it's just. I, I still don't understand how universal basic income will work, though. I mean, like, mm. the money has to come from somewhere. Do people work less or yeah, so, do they not work at all? No, nah, no. Nah. So the way I – because people say, people say, oh, um, universal basic income is not going to work because people need 
to feel important. They need jobs. They need you know they need to feel like they're putting things into the community. You know, so on and so forth. Um, so basically, say fifty percent of our jobs get taken by computers. So that means technically there should be still the same amount of money in the economy, but fifty percent of the hours worked right. So a lot of that money is going to go to it's just going to go to the greed of corporations because like they'll just yeah that'll just happen yeah but. Hopefully, like they'll fucking siphon twenty percent of that revenue into universal basic income, which would be you pay people. Everybody, I believe, is how. Well, actually, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work, but I, I think that everybody would get a wage. So basically, everyone would have enough money to buy food and stuff the street, and you know, stuff like that. And the way that I look at it, like the way that the way that it worked in Canada, nobody became fucking bludgers. No, nobody was like, I don't want to work. Like there was just. So, say there's... Because at the moment, the way the economy works, we have a 40-hour work week, but we probably have a 50-hour work week across the world, maybe. Oh, when you take in commutes into account and all that yeah. sort of stuff. and just like... I feel like that might be the case. Maybe we say we work... We'll say, let's just say 40. Let's just say 40, like what the technical, you know, standard terms of 40-hour work week. So, if there's 50% of our jobs have been taken by computers, then the way I look at it, the way I think it would be a utopia is... Yeah, cool. Everyone works 20 hours. Yeah. Like, shit, same amount of work done by more people. You know, it doesn't mean that people stay in 40 hours a week and, and, and some people are unemployed and just living off the universal basic income. It just means that we don't have to live to fucking work as slaves. 100%. You know? I mean, you want to... Yeah. I mean, Richard Branson was saying that the other day. I read that he wants, he wants people to work three days a week. Yeah. And that's probably, if we can do it right, that's probably a reality, like a possibility anyway. You know, because, and people are like, oh, you know, if you're only working 20 hours a week, are you going to be connected with your work, blah, blah, whatever. I'm like, fucking give me 20 extra hours of the week. I'm going surfing. Exactly. I'm going to study Spanish. I'm going to fucking go out to lunch with you after this podcast rather than fucking go and sit on my computer and do more work. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm very happy with an extra 20 hours of spare time in oh, my week. Oh, mate. You know? be crazy not to. Yeah. I feel like there's this sort of rare people in the population, like Jordan Peterson would talk about this, that have to work. Yeah. They're just highly conscientious and they have to be doing things. Mm. Like my brother-in-law is one of those people. He gets home from working nine to five and he gets annoyed at my sister if he doesn't have like dishes to wash and clothes to fucking clean. (laughs) Because he needs to come home and be doing things. Yeah. And so I I feel like there's like the rare few people that are like that and then there's the rest of us. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, don't want to be fucking nah. working all the time. I need to switch off. Yeah, for sure. I've got a great work ethic. I get asked by people all the time, how do you have the work ethic that works so hard? Where that come from? I'm like, where'd it come from? It came from necessity. I wasn't born with I don't like doing this. This is not my default. The moment adventure it's comfortable to, I'm not looking over my shoulder. I will not be working this hard. This is not my, I'm not programmed to be like this. This no. is by pure Fucking like power. by by willpower and and need like I yeah. need to keep doing this because otherwise things fall down and you know so yeah bring it on I say bring it on we got um wrap it up we got to wrap it up Catsy good, good first show in the yeah, books good my chat, friend mate. loved it <laughs> um, yeah so all right cool well um I guess that's a wrap alrighty gang if you enjoyed that show. You can support us by subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher and you can also subscribe at our YouTube channel, Adventure Fit Travels YouTube channel. Um, So help us by subscribing.
You can also support the show by pledging to our Patreon. So that can be done at www.patreon.com forward slash adventurefit. Basically, guys, if you've gotten anything out of the show um, over the last two years, something that we've said, a, a conversation that we've had, or just general you know, entertainment and a few laughs along the way, and you feel passionately enough that you would like to help see the show really drive forward, I know we love all of our listeners and, uh, and all the word of mouth and all the, the comments and responses that we get from them. But if you'd like to financially help the show, then you can pledge. So the way Patreon is, the way Patreon works is you can pledge $1 um, up to $25 per month. And that just helps us make this podcast bigger and better, helps us grow our media team for to tell interesting and important stories in it with, our, uh, with our media. And then we're also going to um, start running little uh, activities that people can jump into um, at some of our hubs around the world. Um, and then, yeah, just with a donation towards our, uh, towards our Patreon. So, so, yeah, we're just trying to do good things, guys, and you can help us do that. And uh, if not, if you're not a pledger, that's totally fine. Um, ways that you can help is just, you know, if you've liked the show, then just go and tell your friends and, and spread the word, spread the love. Alrighty. Also, guys, if you want anything from the show notes, they can be found at www.adventurefittravel.com forward slash radio. And don't forget to check out trueprotein.com.au. Use the code ADVF for 10% off. And adventurefittravel.com. Use the code radio for 10% off there as well. Thanks, guys. See you next week.